Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, 39-17. The Knowles are 5-0, top five in the country, sliding up a little bit here in the newest AP poll this weekend, Texas dropping out. Uh, Florida State really comes out the bye week and just handles business against Virginia Tech. It did get uh, a little close there in the middle, with, uh, cutting it to five on a, on a kickoff return, but uh, ultimately Florida State able to run away with it there down the stretch. Uh, Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson. John Marchant didn't have to fumble on that one this time, so I'm glad I ran through it. Uh, this is Seminole Rap Podcast. We'll go through the game for you. We will also talk about some roster changes today. Uh, Winston Wright no longer with the team. Um, but I do want to go, and there's plenty to talk about the running game, getting back on track, lots to talk about. Uh, but, John, you are our X's and O's guy, and, and I, I do have one in particular question for you. Um, it's late in the game. It's third and 10 with 36 seconds left. Do you run the ball? Do you take a knee? I'm just curious your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, you know, it's a very apparently complicated question, uh, Brian. <laughs> uh, you know, it's you it's apparently very easily uh, overthinking, you know, what you're yeah. supposed to do. That I, Today was a wonderful day. I laughed the second I woke up this morning. I, I I had the game on last night and I, and uh, th- this is obviously Miami Georgia Tech if, if you're if you're not picking up the clues there um I turned it off they they had third down and, and literally before the play I was like all right well then they can just kneel it that's it and I I turned it off and then my friend just texted me in all caps and was just like Miami what and I flipped it back on and Georgia Tech had the lead and I was like what just happened um I don't know. Mario if, Cristobal maybe happened. you have analytics on that one. I mean, you know, knee is a hundred percent success, right? I don't. Yeah. Unless well, you fumble the snap. <laughs> I, I think the one funny thing I've been seeing uh, going around is the ninety nine point nine percent win 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 rate. Uh, um, that's pretty funny. What's really funny about that though is the, I think the last person to the closest to that is Mario Cristobal back in two thousand eighteen <laughs> in the Stanford Oregon game. Um, so I saw some people bringing that up and I think it was like, yeah, 98.3% for that too. Same, very, very similar sort of situation. If you need out, you win. And um, yeah, I, th- I even saw, you know, there's, there's local Miami reporters talking about all kinds of things going on behind the scenes and yeah, things are kind of just unraveling in South Florida. It's funny. It usually happens in late October, early November this year, it just <laughs> happened in the first week of October. Yeah, apologies for the quick diversion. It's just too good not to laugh with your rival literally fumbling the bag at the at the end of the game there. Uh, speaking of it, win probability, let's go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it's the, one of the worst coaching decisions we ha- will have ever seen ever in our entire lives. And <laughs> I can't believe, like, like Ben said, I can't believe he's done it more than once now. Like, this is maddened somehow. And more than anything, I feel bad for those players. And it was a really bad look for Cristobal to come in the postgame press conference and start blaming the players, saying, oh, I worked, they're taught to keep two hands on the ball. It was totally unnecessary. He should never have the ball in his hands. Yeah. And, and I don't know how, you know, you have all those recruits out there, right, on the field. They had them penned in there. I don't know. How are these players after that supposed to go take these kids out and show them a good time and say, yeah, commit to play for Mario in Miami. Like, that's what you want to do. How do you do that? I mean, it's really a catastrophic loss in, in all the way around because their ACC chances take a hit. Um, it was one we were kind of last week just chalking as a dub that they, I mean, they were bad to begin with this entire game. They really had no business winning it. But um, yeah, that that's a that's a really funny one. If the whole country can stop and laugh at you. <laughs> and uh, man, we needed to just stop and laugh. But I mentioned, speaking of win probability, uh, Florida State really ran ahead in this one. I mean, look, they were given a 95% chance at kickoff to win this game, according to uh, ESPN's win probability. 
the closest it got was 90.3 after the kickoff return. So even when it was only a five-point game, um, win probability just never really wavered. This was a Florida State game end-to-end. The biggest thing, I think, they figured it out, right? The run game was what we wanted to see, and Ben, they seemed to find that. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to note one other thing about, you know, you're mentioning win probability. If you, if you like discount that special teams touchdown, Florida State covered the spread in that game. So Florida State did what was exactly expected. Unfortunately, Vegas doesn't see it that way, but I, I tried. I called yeah. a couple of people and saw if they would move my bet to the win column, but they didn't. So here we are. Uh, here we are. But no, I, I, I think, you know, th- this game never felt out of hand. I think that second quarter stretch you know, I think I, along with I'm sure Florida State fans, felt a little uneasy and, and had some Boston College flashbacks. But then Florida State responded exactly how they needed to responded, and they handled business. Yeah, and and I don't know if it was anything um, amazing that that Florida State did on their own. Virginia Tech is pretty well known for a bad rush defense, but John, 202 on 11 carries. You had a long run of 85 from Trey. You had a long run of 28 from Toa Philly, a long run of 11 from Jordan. Uh, those are longer runs than they had in any of the previous games that we've been talking about. Yeah, and a lot of people had said that Virginia Tech was a great opportunity for a quote, uh, get right type of game for this running game. Yeah. And they really did take advantage of it. I, I didn't really see that they ran too many different things than they did uh, in some of the previous games. Like so, one guy pointed out, you know, they they did they were running a lot of a uh, guard tackle counter, and they did that a lot last year too. And then over the last couple of games, Norvell's kind of switched to more center tackle, uh, kind of just try to get better angles on the defense, right? Uh, you know, some of those three techs have really kind of messed with FSU's guard play, so just trying to you know a little different variation to help out, and it really worked, right? And and Virginia Tech, you know, just kind of overwhelmed and outmatched to the point of attack. I thought Keandre Jones did a really good job. I, he might he may play more going forward. Um, so they did a lot, a lot of really good things. I think Travis, too, ran. It's exactly what I wanted to see. We talked about that in the pod. I thought they could have done against Clemson. Is They co- uh, called a couple of design runs for Jordan Travis early. It worked. Um, it's fine if he still wants to slide to avoid contact. But he you know he took off. He, he kept the ball on a couple keepers. So that's something that was really nice that we hadn't seen lately. Yeah, he ended up almost being your your – leading carrier he had 10 to, to benson's 11 he was a guy who touched the ball obviously the most because he's the quarterback and how it always goes but you know you you we haven't seen jordan in the top two even three rushers oftentimes so far this year you, you know on these kind of blogs you've seen a lot more rodney hill getting even more runs than him so um you know if you listened on friday to our sharpen the point podcast that's a picks and dfs podcast we talked about benson on there and, and i threw him out there as someone that i liked a lot this week because for the reasons we talked about it felt like a game that Virginia tech can't stop the run very well. And Florida state needed to figure it out. I, I assumed they'd go back there. Um, and, and they hit it in chunks. I mean, even Toafili's touchdown where he was uh, crowd surfing, I guess, body surfing, pick your word there for it, where he just rolled over for 40 yards all the way into the end zone. Uh, they just got whatever they wanted. And it was good to see that finally. Yeah, the, the run game was dominant in a way that, you know, they just hadn't been this year yet. And this is the first time we really seen them kind of re- reach that rushing form that we saw them, you know, we saw glimpses of last year, right? Especially that kind of last um, month stretch with Trey Benson where um, Treshawn Ward had gotten hurt and he kind of took over as the main ball carrier. I, I think this is the first time that this run game has looked as good since that point. Um, and then I even went back today and was looking through 
the game logs of the last two seasons or, or last season and this season. And I was trying to find a game where um, com- compared to this Virginia Tech game, FSU either had more total rushing yards or average more yards per carry. Last time they did either of those things was against Duquesne in week zero last week, 400 total rushing yards when they had three separate ball carriers go for 100 plus yards. I This to me, you know, when we talked about last week, Florida State getting back on track and, and, you know, John mentioned this already, this is exactly what they needed to do. And I genuinely do believe in momentum and in confidence and, you know, all those sorts of like coach speaks things you hear where, you know, you really want to get the team's confidence going. I They needed that. If you looked at how the offensive line played throughout the month, first month of this season, it's just a big lack of confidence. They were not executing the way they needed to. And while Virginia Tech is a much less talented team that you should beat up up front, um, we saw Florida State go against some of those teams already this year and not do so. So I I was, you know, I, I didn't walk away with this game with any quips or quibbles. I think there's some small things I'm like, Hey, maybe this could have gone better, but I I think this is the most complete game this offense has played so far. I don't know if the passing attack was electric, but didn't need to be, you know, it was a game. You just, you got to flex your run game finally. And you, you allowed Jordan to, I would say take a day off, but you gave him 10 carries, but you know, not have to throw as much and rely on like fit this ball in a keyhole 25 yards down the field to, to key on. Um, John, we had two touchdowns from from uh, uh, Johnny Wilson in this one. We didn't see a touch for Jaheim Bell here on the stat sheet. We see four receptions from Kyle Morlock. Uh, anything jump out of that group to you, John? Yeah, the titles are great. I think even Marquise and Douglas had a screen, I think, at one point. Yeah, so. one for nine. Yep. Yeah, so the Titans did did a good job. Uh, I, I think you know they're going to grow in the pass game and that kind of stuff. I was surprised Bell didn't didn't get a touch. Uh, maybe he's just banged up though. But you again, you have three tight ends. You're you're deep there now for the first time in a while. And and Morlock played extremely well. I've been really happy with his play. Yeah, the blocking for him's got to get a little bit better, but it will. Right? I'm not I'm not too too concerned about that. Um, but overall, you know, the tight end group is is very good. It, it adds a dimension to this offense that didn't exist last year. We talked about that before. Uh, and and. And again, I mean, they're a big part of the running game too, as is the um, wide receiver blocking. I think Kentron Poitier coming back really did also help out there on spring in some of those big runs. So uh, having him back was, was really good at the same time. So I, again, all the things that Ben said too, I really, I think that the, the I, hopefully what we see with this uh, running game to last, um, what we saw with the running game against Virginia Tech, we'll see going forward over the next four or five weeks. Yeah, I think we're hoping that they can carry that confidence forward with the run game. Um, and I think they, their next few matchups should lend to that as well. Um, I, I did want to mention with the tight end play, too. I do think Bell was hurt um, because if you looked at the snap share, uh, Jaheim Bell played seven snaps in this game. I, I, I don't think even in a game against a team like this, I, I don't think you're normally doing that. So I, I think there was definitely management um, from Norvell in, in that aspect. But yeah, Kyle Morlock stood out to me. I mean, he I, I thought he played a really good game. And, and I, you know, I don't know how much of a contributor he's going to be for the rest of the season. I think he'll have games like this. But I think the most encouraging thing for me watching him, watching Destin Hill, um, the next few years of Florida State, these pass catchers that Mike Norvell has brought in, he's not going to have to dip into the portal like he did two years ago when he brought in four wide receivers, right? So I, I think, you know, that's kind of a maybe a bigger picture thing, but 
the 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 state of the pass catchers, the young pass catchers on this team is in a really, really good place. And I was really excited by that. And uh, I already shouted him out. But yeah, Destin Hill, shout out to him, man. That was a great play he made. I want to see more from him. Um, and with Winston Wright, you know, leaving the team, I, I think that just kind of opens up the door for, for Destin Hill. I just want to see more and more of him. Um, and I think he could be, along with Morlock, an impact guy for the future. There was a, once again this uh, window of, of, I don't want to call it a disappearing act, but, you know, they just kind of didn't have the ball much in the second quarter, I think is more the better explanation for what kind of happened with that. Uh, we dropped 22-0 at the end of the first, and you look up and it's 22-10 at halftime. Uh, Virginia Tech held the ball for almost 11 minutes there um, in the second quarter. Part of that is the offense going three and out and then three and out. Um, but at the same time, you do allow these very long four-minute, seven-minute drives to kind of keep the ball out of their hands. I really don't see much to complain about for this offense. I did like the punch back on the two-play quick touchdown drive right after the kickoff return. You know, you could feel Virginia Tech like, okay, well, let's go, man. We're here. And you quickly punched right back and pushed the lead back out to two scores. So um, very important there. And you saw some of the big playability, right? In, in the 72-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, you end up with a 62-yard Benson rushing touchdown. You get the 85-yard rushing touchdown. You, you see some of that, and it didn't have to come from the receivers finally this week. On the opposite side of the ball, the one place I will give you credit on this one, Ben, uh, I'm happy to take the kickoff return out on this one in grading them. Uh, and I'll give them a shutout in the second half. I mean, it's it's a second consecutive week. They've looked much better after halftime. Um, I don't know if that's just adjusting to the game or, or if the coaching staff just kind of runs out there and says, let's figure it out. Ben, you made a little bit of a face, so I'll go there first. Man, you've got something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's so much more adjustments. Um, although, you know, I, I, I just don't think there were many adjustments to make in that game. I think Florida State played pretty well. I think what happened is that Florida State – has a very deep, talented defensive line that they can rotate in and out throughout the game and just wear on a team like Virginia Tech. And I think that's what happened in this game, in, in my opinion. Um, I also thought the coverage unit just played really, really well throughout that game. I mean, especially comparatively to these last, I mean, every single game this season, I, I, I thought, you know, Jared Verse got really involved, Patrick Payton, both, both of those guys were up towards the um, – the top of the defense in terms of total pressures on the day. And, and that's what Florida state needs out of those guys. I, I think they've been missing a little bit of that defensive playmaking on the edge. And I, you know, we saw that happen, of course, the two sacks from verse, but, but more importantly, you know, they were, they were more disruptive against Virginia tech than they had been all this season. Right. And, and even against some lesser teams like Boston college. Uh, so I, I was just impressed that, you know, like 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 Virginia Tech, this is a team you should beat this way. Um, but but Florida State, they went out and the way things looked is what you would hope from this defense moving forward. Um, and, and John, I'm I mean I'd be interested to hear what you, you'd have to say about just you know obviously the second half has been the strength of this defense so far. They've been kind of shutting out teams in the second half. But you know, do you think Virginia Tech kind of just ran out of steam there? Um. Ah, that's a good question. I don't know that I say they ran out of steam. I, I agree with you that this defense, 
the, we talked about this before. The strength of this defense, and it's even maybe this team, is the defensive line. And, and Florida State and, and Adam Fuller asks a lot out of that group. And they deliver week in and week out versus Ben. Again, he got two sacks on Saturday, but he's been playing at that level this entire season. Fisk is unbelievable. His motor is ridiculous. He is just absurdly disruptive on the interior all, all season long, right? The guy's just a gamer. Uh, Pey- Peyton's been very, very, very good. Uh, a lot of those guys have been great. And they ask a lot of that defensive line and they deliver week in and week out. I think they just dominated Virginia Tech up front. And they they made it really difficult for Kyron Drones all day long. The guy had some opportunities, but he couldn't complete a lot of passes because he was under pressure the whole game. And again, I think that everything begins and ends with that defensive line. And you know, now that LSU and Clemson are kind of in the mirror, you know, in the in the rearview mirror, I would expect them to kind of exert their you know dominance a little bit more over the next you know five or six weeks. And we saw the beginning of that at Virginia Tech. And again, I, I put a lot of it on them. To your point, too, I think they come out in the second half. And yeah, it could be that Virginia Tech ran out of steam a little bit. But I just think this defense asserted their will and their dominance. I, I don't obviously put the kick return touchdown on them. So really, they only gave up 10 points in this game, which is about what you know what you would expect. I think Vegas had something like a 23-point spread, right? So um, yeah, and like you pointed out, if it wasn't for the kick return, they would have got it. So um, I, I get, I thought, like you said, the secondary played much better. I thought the linebackers were fine. Uh, you know, teams are going to get the, you know, a couple plays here and there. There's a big picture thing I want to talk about here in a second, but overall with the defense, I was very, very happy with how they played. Yeah. That's yeah it, actually, go ahead. Oh yeah. Well, I was just going to add too. I mean, really, if, if you take away that, that one huge, uh, 40 yard run from the Virginia tech quarterback, I, I really don't think they score more than like six points on offense. So um, I, I thought this was a pretty dominant defensive performance overall. Yeah. Because the two drives they scored on the, the field goal drive was actually probably should have been stopped by the uh, Azaria Thomas interception. Did I get the name right? I was scared yeah. going into it. Great. Perfect. I was so glad I was terrified going into it. I think I've never actually said his name out loud. I've just gone Thomas. So thank you for everyone who's celebrating me right now for that nailing the name. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was an amazing interception uh, to have it taken away on a roughing the passer. And then obviously, like you said, the, the 40 yard run after that, it was setting up the field goal. And then their other touchdown drive. I mean, if I'm really going to sell it, it felt like the desperation drive, right? Like this is the game. They had a couple of fourth and shorts, a couple of of short conversions on those fourth and shorts. I mean, um, it just felt like that was Virginia Tech's best punch. Um, they just don't they just don't have it like that. Um, but overall, I mean, you you really dominated them. I mean, they they took one drive to really give everything they had, and you forced them to go 16 plays and scratch and claw tooth and nail over seven minutes to finally make it into the end zone. I think you've got to be really proud of the way this defense played. Your yeah, absolutely. I mean, point, well, yeah, I mean, even, you know, some of the backups, too, have struggled in the secondary this season. We saw Conrad Hussey come out and just lay the wood. The kid, and the way he ran down the alley like that is just unbelievable. I, he definitely needs more more playing time. Uh, so I was really, really excited to see see him there. I think uh, again, they're going to play. running around banging his forehead. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just interesting because, you know, we we go back to the blue chip percentage of this team, right? And I think that, that talent matters more on defense than it does on offense. And they're incredibly talented up front. But really, overall, Florida State still has a 40% blue chip percentage. And you play some of these backups and maybe, you know, they're not ready. They're, they're not as good as, you know, you're not stocked with four and five stars all the way through the two or three deep. So 
you know, some of these kids that play, you know, maybe they not are quite as good. And I think Hussey could be a great player down the road. I think he really, really flashed. A couple other guys, the backups flashed. I think Nicholson, right? Blake Nicholson, linebacker, got a, quite a few uh, uh, snaps in that game. So I, I'm really looking forward to re-watching this game to four of those guys, right? And see how well they actually play. Because some of these guys could be big-time stars, like Ben was saying, big-time stars down the road. Um, I don't have anything major to cut touch on on the defensive side. One other thing I did want to touch on, uh, Johnny, obviously going to the locker room there. He he says, I think on Twitter that he is going to be fine. Uh, ben, how do you think if he is maybe limited or not available, how that changes things, your expectations on his ability to be available? I mean, he seems to think so, but, you know, players always just say things, but assuming he's fine, but uh, in the case that he's not, maybe how does that change things for this offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it it makes it harder on this team to move the chains, right? Because that's what Johnny's been so good at this year. And I'm glad I have this stat because uh, Johnny has 20 catches this year and 17 first downs. So, <laughs> you, you, you know, I that's that's pretty ridiculous. That's, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, and I mean, he's leading the team in a lot of the advanced uh, receiver metrics too, like yards per route run. Um, he's leading the team in targets, I think. Uh, so. I, yeah, I, I think it, it definitely makes things more difficult. Um, but I think, you know, over the next two weeks against the defenses they'll be playing, especially if there's no Riley Leonard in that Duke game, I think you just be smart with Johnny and you say, hey, let's let's make sure you're you're going to be healthy for the home stretch in November. Um, and, and like we know with these Mike Norvell teams, they get better towards the end of the year. That's always what he's done. So I think with Johnny, they should just be smart over these next two weeks. Um you know, yeah, and played smart with him. I mean, he's just been so good for them. You, you, you just can't risk not having him, um, you know, for those last three, four games of the season, the ACC championship. You, you just don't want him being banged up in that stretch of the season. Well, another thing I want to add is, you know, we talked before about how this offense attacks, you know, with Johnny and Keon outside a lot, down the field, one-on-one coverage, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're not really attacking the middle of the field. I didn't really see any improvement in there in that in that game. It's the same as we've seen all season long. Uh, the difference was that Virginia Tech was an overmatched opponent, right? And they just couldn't stop anything. Of course, they got whatever they wanted on offense all game long. I, you know, you saw receivers running open in the middle of the field all day long. And Travis just didn't want to throw, and it's fine. It, it, it works, right? I, I think, you know, you're going to run into issues with that if you, you know, play against more talented defenses and more talented opponents or corners that could actually, you know, kind of fight for those 50-50 balls against Johnny and Keon. But uh, when you're playing an opponent who can't do that, it, it just doesn't matter. You do whatever you want, and that's what Florida State did. And, and, and you know, they could have put more I th- more points on the board, I thought, um, a little bit even, but they won comfortably. They They – I don't think this game was ever in doubt, right? Even after the kick return when it was five, you're like, oh, well, now it's a game. It still didn't really feel like a game, right? Yeah. It just felt like Florida State was in control the entire time. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that's good to see. This is a good team, right? It's, it's like what we talked about before. Everybody's beatable this year, but this is a good team. And they're going to dominate, you know, a lot of average opponents. Yeah, and, and when you watched college football this weekend, it, it continued to get abundantly clear that there's a lot of just kind of average teams. It does feel like Georgia put together their best game, um, but you saw Texas not look very good. Um, you saw Oklahoma look there, really keep them in check, and maybe Oklahoma is the best team in that Big 12 picture and, and should maybe start getting that respect. 
Uh, Alabama seems to have figured some things out, but you're watching the Pac-12 start to uh, gang up on itself and, and really start taking care of itself. You saw Washington State lose. You could see um, USC going overtime with Arizona. Like there was just a lot of games where you looked around and said, okay, everybody's kind of beatable. So as long as you're handling business, especially against teams that maybe aren't quite to your level and, and controlling a game like this, like that's what, that's the, just don't, don't do what USC Arizona was yesterday. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't have those games. Just handle your business. Keep it moving. Right. Any team can come up and scare you. And, and that seems to be something they've done a good job of. I mean, Boston college, I guess with notwithstanding, but um, you know, you won and the grand scheme of things, that's really all that matters. You move ahead now. Uh, it's Syracuse who, um, I, 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 if you if you read my article on Friday, I, I liked Syracuse this week against the porous UNC defense. Um, that didn't work out at all. Um, they absolutely got throttled, forty to seven. I think uh, I think Drake May threw for north of four hundred on them. Um, they just looked really bad. Uh, that's back to back weeks. They really haven't been competitive at all. Run game didn't reach a hundred. Trader only threw for one twenty four. Um, Syracuse just looks to be uh, kind of in a bad way right now. That's Clemson handled them pretty bad at home. North Carolina just destroyed them um, with Syracuse being on the road. Uh, and now Syracuse is back on the road at Florida State. I, I don't see much to be afraid of. I think LaQuint Allen's a great runner. Uh, but Trader hasn't looked particularly great or dynamic in the passing game. And I feel like you can, if you can bottle up LaQuint Allen, you can handle Syracuse fairly similarly to what you just did to Virginia Tech. Maybe not as bad of a run defense but uh not a great one yeah i think it's yeah. a very similar game plan to to what you, you're going to be going with uh against syracuse i mean you, you laid it all out i think you can make their offense kind of one-dimensional if you bottle up the run game and I, I think florida state you know like i i hate to say it again but this is another sort of confidence building get right sort of game where you just continue to run the ball. And, and I think running the ball should be the focus, just like it was against Virginia Tech. Like we, we barely saw Jordan Travis. I mean, I think he had 22 attempts on the day yesterday or around that number. Um, that's exactly what Florida State should be aiming for again. And, you know, this is also in my mind, and I already kind of referred to it, but guys like Johnny Wilson and Jaheim Bell, um, if those guys are kind of banged up right now, this is, this is the time to be smart with those guys and to lean on your offensive depth. Yeah. And I, I thought, uh, I mean, Thomas Schrader, he's Schrader's a really, really good player, right? He has given FSU fits in the past. I think, uh, Kyron drones was not quite as good of an athlete as Castellanos was. So I think FSU did a much better job kind of containing his you know except for a couple of that one big run but i thought they did a really good job against drones i'd like to see them do the same thing against Schrader. don't allow him to beat you with his legs right keep him in the pocket make him throw uh, i do think we are seeing the acc kind of split itself into tiers now right as we start to get a little bit deeper in a conference play i think maybe syracuse is definitely not what did they start four no right now they lost two games yeah. against some some good opponents so i think maybe they're in that average tier in the acc not quite as good as we thought they might possibly be. So um, I think the surprise for me is Louisville, right? And what they did against Notre Dame, they might be the the other legitimate, especially with <laughs> with Miami uh, not kneeling the ball. Uh, <laughs> I think Louisville's now in that driver's seat for, for maybe, you know, being FSU's potentially biggest rival for the, the conference title slot. 
Yeah, they uh, they drubbed Notre Dame 33-20. to 20. Uh, they, they handled them pretty well. It was a close game there until the end, and you could feel kind of Louisville start leaning on them and starting pulling away there down the stretch. Um, but yeah, they, they feel like they have kind of slid out from this picture into that top tier, you know? And we talked about it last week. They don't have a, a very tough schedule ahead. You look at Pittsburgh is is next week, then there's a bye before Duke. They got Virginia Tech, they have Virginia. Those are all kind of the bottom tier teams in this conference, if, especially if Duke doesn't have Riley Leonard or a banged up Riley Leonard. Um, so really the only game on their schedule left, assuming Riley is not there for that Duke game, is at Miami in November. So, I mean, they look like a team that is going to have at most one loss. So um, obviously this week's game against Notre Dame was non-conference regardless, Um but it sure is a confidence booster to go and beat Notre Dame. You're up to top 14 in the country. I mean, Louisville looks like a legit football team that is getting better each week. Um, they they have won in a bunch of different ways. They've won scoring fests and the slugfest on the road in Raleigh. Um, you know, I mean, that's a dangerous team. And then let me mention North Carolina. Um, big news there. They got Tez Walker uh, approved by the NCAA this week. Uh, he played minimally a f- snaps here and there and, and had a decent impact on the game. I'd expect we see a lot more of him this week against Miami, um, but North Carolina looks pretty good. So if you are Florida state, you can't, you can't, you can't flinch because you've got two other teams that aren't on your schedule and are not on each other's schedules, both gunning for that same spot. You, you can't, you really can't slip up. It's, it's, it's a, it's a dog race here to the end. Yeah. I mean, and- we're in the middle of the schedule, but you know, and I, I do want to mention there are still four um, teams that are undefeated in ACC conference. That's true. <laughs> and Brian knows where I'm going with this because <laughs> he just made that face. Uh, uh, <laughs> Louisville, FSU, UNC, and then my my darling Duke. Um, you know, Duke is still undefeated in conference play, and we don't know what Riley Leonard's status is. So I think that's still really up in the air, and their bye week couldn't have come at a better time. But I, I think that just kind of hammers the point home that you have to win out the ACC conference play if you're Florida State you 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 just can't slip up against any of those teams yeah we'll get a good look at what Riley Leonard looks like before he heads to Florida State next week uh when they play NC State this weekend that's a road game at night so you know you can settle in after the the Florida State game and, and watch that one to get an idea of what's coming our way the week after that it's just really interesting the way this conference is shaken out this year. I mean, Duke does have NC State, then Florida State, then Louisville and North Carolina later. So they've got a little bit of a tougher path. You can see the, the harder opponents kind of lining up here, um, whereas maybe Florida State, Louisville and North Carolina don't have so much. It's just a very interesting three-team race where no one plays each other. Um, and then if, I guess if someone slips up and Miami figures out whatever in the hell that was last week, they, they could still be in this mix. Um, you know, they just... They've got the game against North Carolina this weekend. That might determine their year. I, I I just feel like for Florida State, it's just go out and handle your business against Syracuse, handle your business against Duke, and then you've got two road games. You know, I don't think Wake Forest is a team that should push you. I don't think Pitt is a team that should push you. But we understand they're college players and road team road games are hard. But you need to get through these next two home games safe and sound, and then take the next two one at a time. And then where you have Miami is the only thing left on your schedule. And, you know, you're at home for that one. And I think that's a spot where you can really feel good about your team. Um, And that's what they've got to kind of figure out right now. 
Right. And I think, you know, what, what kind of favorite is FSU over Syracuse was it like 16 or 18 points. I think is what I saw. It's 18. Uh, I, yeah. 18. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I, I really think they miss Sean Tucker, right? I guess that Schrader's a really good player, but they don't, I don't think they have anyone else. I think they relied on Sean Tucker a lot last year. I'm talking about the Ben's NFL. beloved Sean Tucker. <laughs> yeah. But he's in the NFL with, with the bucks, I think, um, you know, kind of in their running back rotation. I had and heard I he was splitting miss- carries in preseason. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was with uh, Ben. In case you missed it, Ben Ben tweeted that he had taken some what first team reps and uh, at practice one day, and then all of a sudden, fantasy football uh, social media grabbed it and ran that Ben reported that Sean Tucker was taking over the role. <laughs> yeah, he he hasn't done too much this season, but he you know he might. I, I think Syracuse kind of ran him into the ground a little bit uh, by running him so much. And I think they really miss a guy like that. They obviously don't have that kind of talent. I think it's all on Schrader now, and he's struggling a little bit. Uh, It's a lot. Yeah, I think the receivers are more than anything that's really letting them down. They've got nothing out there. Uh, LaQuint Allen is a fine running back. Um, I don't think he's Sean Tucker level. He's probably just a slide behind him. Um, They just – I mean, they are not a threat on the outside in in any way. I mean, they're not – really able to throw the ball i mean the the peak of uh schrader this season in passing is 286 he's missed 200 yards three times um and that's been against their three power five opponents they're just not throwing the ball at them uh buck right. 84 against purdue is their season high against power five teams so um, they only cleared 200 against army west western michigan and colgate um and still haven't they didn't cross 300 any of those despite throwing the ball 30 times so um you know 30 attempts against Clemson for a buck 76 isn't very good. They they've got they're they're just not a team that can really throw it. You can really stack the box against them and I don't I don't feel like Florida State should have any issues doing that. Well, I think that's the key right there is it's exactly what you said. If you're Florida State, all you could do is just take care of your business, right? You control your own destiny. You just have to win, you can't slip up. And Norvell has the same attitude, right? You just go out there and you play your game. And I think that's the biggest question for the Syracuse game is can you sustain that running game, right? Benson, 11 carries, 200 yards, a ridiculous 18 yards per carry. You're not going to get that. But can you go for, you know, have a running game that gets over 200 yards collectively, right, between him and Travis um, and, and Tofili and Rodney Hill? Can you do 230, 250? I mean, that, to me, that's the question, right? Can you take some of this pressure off of Jordan Travis and that passing game? So I want to see that. I think that's the key for me. I want to... You know, I, I don't think Florida State's really in danger of losing this game unless they turn it over a bunch of times. But what I want to see is them to continue the domination on the ground. It looked very much like what we saw last year, right? All of last year. And it was really, really nice to see. But you got to keep it going. You can't go out and get Syracuse and then lay another egg where you only run for 40 yards or 45 yards. No, no, you, you can't do that. And, and I mean, one thing that FSU has been really elite at this year, I mean, especially compared to that that bad stretch that they had last October is turnovers on offense. They have three total turnovers this so far this year. And that's I mean, that to me is one of the biggest things right now with Jordan Travis is, you know, he has one interception, 12 touchdowns. And I, you know, I, I think him taking care of the ball so much I, I, is such a good progression for him in terms of his career and I think part of that is definitely the way they're it's funny you know John you and I have spent a ton of time talking about how hard they make it on the passing game by 
attacking the outside, but they also make it a lot harder on defensive backs to make plays on those balls and, and to intercept balls. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it, in a funny way, it's, it's, it's like, it's like they're, they're making things harder on their own receivers, but then they're making things harder on the defense to really get takeaways. And I think if you go back to last year where Florida state really lost in the passing game is when Travis had those mistakes thrown over the middle of the field, when they had other teams would, would take away the ball and, and really put the pressure back on Florida state after you know because florida state would have those periods where the offense would stall but then the problem in in the losses last year was the offense would stall there would be a a wrong turnover here or there and things would kind of just spiral for fsu so i i think what's been really different is this year when their offense has stalled they've responded really well to it versus i think if you look at last year the response just wasn't there in that same way at least not over that stretch where they lost those three games um but yeah i think um, Jordan Travis is like, you know, like I mentioned, he his 12 to one inter, uh, touchdown to interception ratio is best of his career, obviously. Um, but then he's also getting sacked at the lowest rate of his career. It's like, I think 8%, I want to say pressure to sack rate. And I, I think the last year is around 13 or 14%. So that's, that's major for, for Jordan Travis and for FSU. It's like, you know, sure. We love them to attack the middle of the field. And I still think they should. And those plays are there, but they're also doing a really good job avoiding negative plays. And I think that to me is the thing that's really stood out recently. Um, you know, cause I have been thinking a lot about this, John is, is, you know, why aren't they attacking the middle of the field? Why is the offense the way it is right now? And I think this is kind of, maybe it's a, a, a too much of an overcorrection, but it's an overcorrection to take away the possibility of those negative plays and, and trying to account for that. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's something we can look out for in the future because I, I think that's a really interesting point, uh, especially about him not turning Travis, not turning the ball over. I think that's a great, great point. Um, you know, again, I've, I've hyped on, um, well, kind of been, I guess, a little critical of Travis's ball placement a little bit this season, but, you know, it hasn't really turned into to turnovers, right? He just had that one pick. I, I think he's been excellent so far this year, you know, avoiding that stuff. And maybe that's some of the issue too, right? Maybe he just, you don't throw over the middle of the field, then, you know, into traffic a lot of times, you don't have to worry about that as much as one-on-one opportunities. Again, if you trust Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, I, you know, I can see where you're going with that. Uh, two other things I wanted to point out too, I want to make sure I mention is one Chuck Blunt on Twitter. I don't know if you guys ever know him. He posts some stats and things like that. I think one thing he said today on Twitter that was interesting was uh, FSU's defense, right? Through five games, I think it was last year, they had given up the defense, had given up eight passing touchdowns. And this year they've only given up three right? With the same number of three interceptions. So not giving up passing touchdowns, especially in the red zone, I think has been a, a really good strength of this, this team so far. Uh, I've given, you know, the secondary, a lot of criticism, uh, uh, some issues that they've had, but they, they played extremely well against Virginia tech. Um, and, and they're doing a good job in some areas, right. That, that, you know, maybe I think is worth pointing out. And the other thing I want to give a shout out to Juan, right. A former podcast member here. Uh, I thought he had the, the point of the weekend, where in Tabak Nation, where he had he had kind of mentioned that I think one of the frustrating things about this team, maybe the most frustrating thing, it's not that FSU is not winning, right? But we're expecting them to come out and dominate opponents that they just haven't done. And I know some people have said, oh, this team is nothing like the 2014 team. I kind of disagree in only one one respect, which is they'll come out and dominate for 20 or 30 minutes at a time, but then that's all you're going to get from them, right? The rest of the game is not quite as, as dominant as you want to see. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes for us, you know, the fan base and that kind of thing is they they have the talent. They look like they could dominate for all four quarters, 
but then they just don't, right? I think part of the issue is, you know, like against Virginia Tech, maybe in the second quarter, they only got two drives, right? I know against Boston College, they only got one drive, I think, in the entire first quarter, something like that. So some of the the time of possession stuff plays into it, and, the, you know, defense can't get off the field and things like that. But um, I, I don't know. I just – I think that's what's been frustrating me with this team, right? I want to see them come out and just annihilate someone. Like we saw the, the 2013 FSU team, like they beat Maryland 63-3 to or whatever that was. I just want to see something like that, and we – we haven't seen that this year, and we may not see that. And I think that's okay, right? As long as Force State still goes out there, takes care of business, and they wins, it doesn't really matter. But I think that's where a lot of the frustration has come from. Uh, they are capable of it. We just they can't seem to put it together for all four quarters. And I do think there's a strong possibility that we'll see that, John, especially with what we've just seen from the running game. You know, it, the running game doesn't have to perform at you know. 18 and a half, whatever yards per carry from your top leading rusher. That's, that's not realistic, obviously, but I I think if they can continue to, to be effective in the run game and to average just between four to five yards per carry, I, I I think they have the possibility of really beating down one of these lesser opponents um, along the way. And like I said earlier, these Norvell teams do get better. I I think one area that I definitely wanted to mention too um, is that situationally you were talking about the defense, but situationally this defense has actually been very, very good, right? Uh, They're top 20 in terms of third down conversion rate on defense. They're top 30 in terms of red zone defense, um, defensive scoring rate. So situationally, even though they've let up big plays, they've let up chunk plays. That's, that's kind of what we continue to see them do. Um, they have been able to be really effective in the red zone and third down on defense. And and I think as much frustration as we have with Adam Fuller in this defense and how aggressive they can be and just the way they try and attack other teams, they have shown to, to, to show up in those moments and be really effective. Um, So I definitely want to give them credit for that. Um, But, but yeah, I think, you know, the offense too, like I mentioned, three turnovers lost, that's top 10 in college football that we just did not see that from this team last year. And and I think if anything, you know, their turnover luck may get even better defensively, right? I think they have about six turnovers so far, but I think, you know, based off the play, based off their upcoming opponents, I I think that can get ramped up even more. So um, yeah, I I think the, it's, it's kind of like you were saying, we just haven't seen this team put it together for a full game and really dominate a team. Um, And and I'm not quite sure if we'll fully see that at any point, but I I think what's encouraging is that they're headed in the right direction. And we know that these teams can get better over time. Right. And, And we see the ceiling of the rushing offense. We've seen the ceiling of the passing offense. Right. So now that we've seen both of those, especially after Virginia tech with the rushing offense, I think, you know, you just like to see them, against the Syracuse or against like a Duke, who's a really good football team. You know, I know we joke about Ray Leonard and stuff, but that's a well-coached team that has some good players on it. I, I think they can put it together. And, and, you know, that's the frustrating part of it so far is that they, they're certainly capable of it. They just haven't done it yet. And it's, it's this thing. It's like Schrodinger's box. Like, it's like, it's like, can they do it? Can they not do it? They just haven't done it yet. Well, yeah. Those I... are some, sorry. Those are some, yeah, sorry. Those are some great points. I, I just want to mention real quick before I, I uh, leave it back to Brian is I, I, I think it's interesting. I think the Boston College, I know we're so many games in. I think Boston College is still kind of skewing some of the numbers. I think they've been better than that lately. 
I, it is interesting that they may be giving up more yards per attempt than last season, but the completion percentage they're allowing is different. I thought the one thing we saw against Virginia Tech that we hadn't seen recently was they actually contest the catches. They got pass breakups. They were in there, right, getting the hand in there, breaking up passes. So I thought that was great. Potentially a clue to which side of the ball we may see um, really shine this week. Syracuse is 47th in the country in their three games against Power 5 opponents, averaging 136 yards allowed on the ground. Uh, Through the air, they're 116th, allowing 342 a game. Obviously a bit skewed because of UNC's 400 and whatever last week. Um, But that, I mean, they're they're sandwiched between UNLV, Memphis, Western Kentucky, and Nevada. None of these other teams are below them or any or any good either. This is a game where you should be able to likely throw the ball. Um, obviously, again, it's 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 boosted by Drake May's number last week, but uh, either way, three forty two they allowed. I think north of two sixty to Clay, Cade Klubnik. So um, you've seen some great passing offense have success, but also some some not great ones in Clemson's have some success. So maybe that's the side of the ball that takes advantage. Um, do we feel we've discussed Winston right enough? Do you, do you have any other thoughts in his departure to the roster? I, I mean, the only thing I would say is I think the other guys they have there can step up. I mean, I mentioned Dustin Hill already, but Ja'Kai Douglas is getting healthy now. And <laughs> he's always been a personal favorite of mine. But, you know, and I, I don't know if he's going to be a huge influence on this offense, but I think you can patch together, you know, attack in the middle of the field without Winston Wright. Um, and, and with Jaheim Bell, you know, we don't exactly know what's going on there, but he played seven snaps. So you figure they're being smart with him. And I think between him, Kyle Morlock, uh, even Mark Marquise and Douglas, you know, I think between those five guys I just mentioned, um, they'll, they'll be fine. I think with Winston, Wright, You kind of just walk away feeling really, really bad for a kid who, you know, just suffered, suffered a really tragic accident at a really just terrible time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, if you're a Florida state fan, you just kind of wish nothing but the best for him. Cause he always, you know, and especially being around that team at that time when he had just come in, um, he was just a huge veteran influence. He was a leader um, on that side of the ball. So I think, you know, I think the only anecdote I would say is that I'm just kind of a little bit bummed that we never got to see it fully fleshed out with him. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, he wasn't really contributors so it's not a huge loss, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out here. I wished it had, right? I think it's really exciting. I, but like Ben said, there's other players that can provide that kind of, you know, that skill set and 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 that kind of possession receiver in the middle of the field or the guy who's out in space is is really good. Uh, but that's what's crazy about Keon is Keon's that guy, even though he's six foot four. So, uh, but you know, they do need a kind of guy. I think Destin Hill with that one catch, maybe you know, you think it, can he be that breakout guy that you know and give you that 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 receiver in the middle of the field. That's reliable. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I wish it worked out for Winston right here. We're all excited for him, but it, it just didn't. That is the crazy part is, is we, you know, Destin Hill with that one catch. We don't, you know, you, we don't need that much from a third yeah. guy. It's the other two, you don't need that much. Just just give us a couple of catches here or there. That's, that's it. Yeah, and yeah. he did play his most, I, I had this note, I want to make sure I throw it in there, his most pass catching snaps of the season so far for him. So they are giving him more opportunities and, and it's definitely trending that way for him. I just think, you know, get him involved here and there, especially in these sorts of games where you don't really need to be relying on your blue star guy or your blue chip uh, guys as, as much as, as uh, maybe you need to lean on them against LSU and Clemson. Yeah. Hopefully this is another smooth sailing one. 
It's Florida State Syracuse. It's a noon kickoff on ABC, so you don't have to watch McAfee going straight ten minutes over the game while he's yelling, <laughs> ranting, and raving in every direction. He is my Taylor Swift. You guys are curious. You know where every guy is like tired of seeing Taylor Swift on the broadcast. He's everywhere, and I can't get away from him. So I, I would like to think piece on why Pat McAfee is everywhere. I turn on my TV. Please make it stop. Please stop fighting with Washington State. Stop fighting with everyone. Just please make it end. Um, <laughs> and there's my final soapbox for the week, I guess. Uh, one other note, I likely am out next week, so we're trying to see if Perry rotates in. Otherwise, I'm sure these guys are put you in plenty good enough hands to handle the game, and hopefully there's nothing crazy. If something crazy happens, maybe I just phone in for a weird rant or something. I don't know. Uh, can we Before we go, can we do Syracuse predictions? Let's lay it out. Yeah, I think they went by 30. 30? I don't know, like 37, 10, 35, That would be 10. amazing. I would love that. I don't know. I, I just think Syracuse is just like is just like Virginia Tech, just super limited, and that's pretty much what had just happened in Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, I, that's, I'm that's gonna, a really good point. I'm gonna pick them, but by not quite as much. I'll probably go like 40-17. You know, I, I think similar defensive performance, maybe some weird special teams thing, but yeah, I think Florida State easily puts up over thirty. Yeah, screw it. I'll go forty four ten. Yeah, I think thirty. I was like I said, I thought I said thirty seven ten, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be wrong. It's fine. I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. <laughs> uh, I think this week. What did I say? I, my Tomahawk, my Tomahawk Nation pick was pretty close to the number, but not quite close enough. Pain. It's always pain. You'll never get it exactly right. You'll never be in the ballpark. Even when you feel right, the number will just slide a little bit the opposite way, and you'll feel awful. Um, <laughs> here it is. Staff predictions. All right. Quick scroll. Congratulations. You get to hear me scroll down, and we'll see what we each of us picked. We all do this last week because I did forty-five thirteen. Not terrible. Oh, yeah, that was pretty close. I think Not I had terrible. what thirty-eight to. You had thirty-eight 20, to twenty. Also, that was close. Not terrible. You're right there, four points off. Uh, and Ben, did you do the article? No. I don't think I did a staff predictions, but I think on the pod last week I said uh, something like thirty-eight, like like twenty or something like that. You should have said 39-17. It would have been much better if you just said <laughs> I think I did like 39-17, something like that. <laughs> it feels uh, like a scoregami score, but I don't think it was. It does. It feels very gross, but it's college football. There's always some weird number. We just missed the uh, the Fetty Wap by one, too, which is a real heartbreaker. Uh, so, like I said, Syracuse next week. We'll see uh, if I'm needed. Hopefully I'm not, and you guys can just cruise through. I'll see if Perry's available to rotate in my spot. I'm sure Ben will just drive the car for us here, so uh same thing next monday we'll be back around and then uh john i think you're out for duke and wake right um yeah wake and then the game after that if that's duke yeah. oh, okay so we got two weeks still before you lose john for a couple of days so uh until then you'll be stuck with ben ben will drive the car and all over the place so oh I, I'm, uh, I'm so excited for that duke game too i mean i just i, I really hope we get to see Ryder right <clears throat> man because because man that, that would just be such a fun matchup and I'm you just gonna... want to see him challenged and everyone out there is like hell no let's just win the damn game and keep it moving <laughs> a guy um, can wish. yeah i got can dream right so uh until next week brian john and ben that's a wrap